Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be bringing down the Monday, February 12th slate of college basketball DFS. We've got another big Monday slate where we've got a three-game slate this time with um, you know Duke playing Wake in the ACC and then two battles in the Big 12, which feature a big-time contrast of expected outcome. So um, we're going to get in. What do I mean by that? We're going to break down each and every game who you need to be playing in your DFS lineups from each game on this three games late and just how you can build your lineups in order to set yourself up in a way that's going to be successful. We're recording this one a little bit later tonight because, you know, today is Super Bowl Sunday, or I guess tonight is Super Bowl Sunday. Just got done watching one of probably the best Super Bowls of all time between the Chiefs and the 49ers. And so, you know, game going to overtime does mean that we're going to be recording this a little bit later. But, um, you know, hopefully you guys are still able to watch this on um, Monday morning or Monday afternoon to get ready for this Monday slate. Um, and, Remember also, we normally are, well, we are not likely going to have a Tuesday episode for the Tuesday slate. So um, if you want my thoughts on the Tuesday slate, make sure you join the Fantasy Corner Discord. I believe that the Fantasy Corner Discord is the best college basketball DFS Discord out there, and it's not just for college basketball. We've got all sports covered in there, NFL, NBA, golf, and more. Um, And so if you're looking for more people to talk about DFS with, or if you just want to chat it up with me and talk about plays and lineups for the Tuesday slate or any other slate that I don't have a video for, join the Fantasy Corner Discord. That is the place where you can get that. And like I said, I truly believe in, in that Discord and how good it is and how it can help you if you're looking to get better at college basketball DFS. All right, so um, that does it for the introduction. Let's go ahead and dive into this three-game slate with a game that is, um, I think, going to be pretty good, Duke and Wake Forest. The first matchup of Big Monday features the Wake Forest Demon Deacons heading to Durham to Cameron Indoor Stadium to take on the Duke Blue Devils. And like I said, I think this is going to be a very intriguing college basketball game. I think that Wake Forest is actually like a legitimately good team. I think their starting five can compete with anybody in the country. Um, and they play a lot of minutes for that starting five. So um, if their starting five is able to stay out of foul trouble, I actually think Wake Forest can cover and maybe even win this game. I'm not somebody who bets outright on college basketball because my state doesn't have it legal, but I definitely like Wake Forest in this spot. Now, Ken Palm has this game projected to be um, 79 to 73 in favor of Duke. 152 point total is the highest total on the slate. And I can see why both these teams played a decent tempo. And both games last year between these two teams featured 148 points scored or more. So these two teams definitely have a pedigree of offense when they play each other. And, and definitely this is the game environment that I want to target the most on the slate. And I think that these are two of the more predictable teams on the slate in terms of what they're going to do. So last year for Wake, Tyree Appleby was the guy that, you know, really went off and really controlled the games against Duke for them. But he's not there anymore. You know, he was their point guard. That role now belongs to Kevin, a.k.a. Boopy Miller. And... I got to say, I still am in on Booby Miller right now. Um, even at this price tag of $6,600, I think that's a very reasonable price tag for him. The fantasy scoring has been down. He's only been over 4X value for this price tag once in his last five games, but he's had a usage rate of 20% or higher in each game. He's still getting the shot attempts. He's still playing a lot of minutes, and the usage is still there, right? And so it's $6,600 in a positional matchup that I think is pretty good um, with the usage still being there. I definitely like Booby Miller in this spot, and I think he's a great piece if you want to stack up Wake Forest here on this three-game slate. Hunter Salas has been the Deke's best player, though, down the stretch. Um, he has just been, like, really, really good. He was 12 for 17 from the field against NC State, put up 48 fantasy points with 33, 6, and 2, as well as two steals. And look, he's had 36 fantasy points in three of the last four. He's had, a, you know, a ceiling of 48 fantasy points, which he did have against NC State. He now owns the team's highest shot rate on the season. He's a solid rebounder for a guard, and he will get you some blocks and steals as well. So there's a lot to like about Hunter Salas here in this spot taking on Duke. 
Now for the rest of the weight guys, we've got their two bigs, Andrew Carr and Efton Reed. And to me, they're kind of opposites, but they're also kind of the same. Um, I actually like both of them in this matchup against Duke. We've seen Duke struggle against teams who played two true bigs, like when they played North Carolina and Harrison Ingram and Armando Bathcott both put up 20 plus points. Andrew Carr is the guy that's going to be a little more involved in the actual offense. He has a much higher shot rate than Efton Reed. Um, he can get you double-digit shots in a game, and I think he has got a very safe floor from a fantasy perspective. He has been over 23 fantasy points in eight straight games, which at $7,400, I mean, obviously you want a little more than 23, but that's a pretty safe floor, and you know you're going to get a guy who's going to be involved in the offense. He very rarely gets in foul trouble, and he does have a legitimate ceiling like he'd had for 38 fantasy points against Georgia Tech. Efton Reed is generally not going to get as many shot attempts as Andrew Carr. He's generally not going to get as many real points as Andrew Carr. But what he can get you is he can pile up blocks and steals quite often. He can pile up rebounds quite often. And when he gets a double-double, he can have some really good fancy performances, like when he had 33 against Pitt. The problem with Afton Reed, though, is he loves to get in foul trouble. And that would be my one concern with him is... I do believe he's going to start the game on Kyle Filipowski, and he's going to have to guard Filipowski without fouling. Like, that would be my one concern with Efton Reed is can he stay on the floor and, and stay out of foul trouble? If he can stay out of foul trouble, I think he's in for a good performance. Cam Hildreth is kind of like the forgotten guy out of their starting five, but, like, don't forget about him because he's going to take a lot of shots. Um, you know, he has a legitimately very high ceiling. You know, he had 53 fancy points in the opener against Elon, um, and he, you know, gets double-digit shots more often than he does, and so... If he does end up getting hot, he can give you a really solid fantasy performance. He also does a lot better in pace-up games because he does pile up some peripheral stats every now and then. Um, and I've watched Wake play. You know, I've kind of described him as reckless in the past. I don't know if reckless is the right word, but he's definitely aggressive, and he's definitely a heat-check kind of guy. Like, if he makes a few shots and he gets going, he can really get going. And so I think he's a very high-upside GPP type of play at $6,400. Now, for Wake, the only guys that play off the bench, Demari Monsanto was a really good shooter for them last year. Um, he come he came off of a season-ending injury, though, and just hasn't been the same guy. But the ceiling is there. I think if you're playing GPPs and you play enough lineups, you can get some of them. Same goes for Parker Fredrickson. Like, he's the guard that comes off the bench and plays. He's, like... A, deceptively good defensive player that's why he gets minutes and he can get hot from behind the arc like most of his shots that he attempts are threes like like seriously if you ever want to laugh go look at you know his field goals versus his three points it's like the same for just about every game um so you know those are two guys that i would consider for gpps like you know maybe throwing a dart in one or two lineups matthew march will be the same way he would be the guy that would be the beneficiary of efton reef foul trouble um he has been operating as the primary backup center for the deeps and, and to me that's the only thing i would be interested in him as well is you know a gpp one or two lineup type of guy out of a 20 max just in case efton reed gets in foul trouble now on the duke side they are kind of frustrating lately like kyle filipowski who is a really good real basketball player has not been a good fantasy basketball player lately. He's been under 30 fantasy points in five straight games, but the volume has been there. He's had 15 shots in three of his last six games, and he's seen consistent usage game in and game out, and he just has to stay out of foul trouble and, you know, just play his game, and I think that Wake is a pretty solid matchup for him. I think that for Filipowski, he, you're going to want him to be guarded by Andrew Carr. And so if Efton Reed is starting the game on him, I think he's going to look to attack and try to get Reed in foul trouble or try to get them to switch the matchup up and get Carr on him because I think Filipowski would have the advantage against Carr. You know, I think Filipowski, if Carr were on him, I think he's a little quicker than Carr. 
I think he's a little bigger than Carr, and I think he can shoot over Carr. And if you've ever played pickup basketball and you're guarding a guy that's like you know is stronger than you, you know is quicker than you, and you know you can shoot over you, that's like the most terrifying thing in basketball. So um, I think Kyle Filipowski could be a really high ceiling play if he's able to find the right matchup here against Wake Forest. Even though the performance hasn't been there lately, I am trusting the usage and the volume. Now, Mark Mitchell has been kind of slightly a beneficiary of Kyle Filipowski's struggles. Um, he has been over 28 fancy points in three of his last six. My worry with Mitchell, though, is that he is efficiency dependent. And what I mean by that is, is in his last six games, he has shot over 50% from the field or 50% or better from the field. And he's been really good in him. But like, what's going to happen if he doesn't have a good game? From the field like what's going to happen if he goes three for nine or something like that the fancy points are going to dry up right um and so that is my one slight concern with him if i'm not playing filipowski i would consider playing mitchell i don't think i would be playing the two of them together now duke now finally starts their three best guards in, in my opinion from watching them jared mccain tyrese proctor and jeremy roach um McCain has led that trio in usage in four straight games, um, and it's turned into 26, 44, 20, and 33 fantasy points. He's been their best guard recently. He's also taken double-digit shots in four of his last five games. Um, I really like McCain, but the problem is, is he's going to draw the matchup against Hunter Salas, is what I think is going to happen, who is Wake's best defensive guard, um, and so that would concern me just a little bit. However, he is objectively a value on FanDuel. He is like significantly underpriced, and he's a guy I would definitely be targeting on FanDuel. So if Salas is on McCain and, and Proctor and Roach are going to need to create, like one of them could have a big night, right? Especially in a game where they're projected to score, you know, 79 points. Like, like some of these guards are going to have to score. The problem is, is that they tend to not have a big night together. In five of the last seven games, exactly one of Proctor or Roach has hit 4x value. Um, and I kind of think that that's the, the way to go, right? Pick one of the two of them. I would tend to go with Jeremy Roach. He's been better lately. He's seen more consistent usage lately. Um, but I think that playing one of the two of them is going to be the key for this slate. Now, on in terms of bench options, like I said, Wake is like a team that very rarely plays bench guys. Duke is a team that now very rarely plays bench guys. You know, Caleb Foster comes off the bench to spell the guards. Ryan Young comes off the bench to spell the bigs. That's pretty much all they got. I don't really have much interest in playing either of them in DFS formats, if I'm being totally honest. So we go from that matchup between Wake Forest and Duke, which features two teams that are on the easier set or in the easier end of the spectrum um, to target in terms of DFS um, to two teams that are on the more difficult end of the spectrum to target in DFS <laughs> between West Virginia and TCU. Ken Palm has this game projected to finish as TCU 81 to 68, which makes TCU the highest projected team on the slate and West Virginia the lowest projected um, team on the slate. And this is the biggest margin uh, in terms of any of the three games on the slate. This one is very likely to turn into a blowout like West Virginia's last two games have. West Virginia is the worst rated defensive team in the Big 12. They've given up 86 and 94 points in their last two games. So it is very likely that TCU scores plenty of points against them. However, West Virginia is going to score points too. So just how can we attack this West Virginia team? Well, the good news is, is they have shortened their rotation to seven guys when the game is reasonably close. Their starting five is Edwards, Kresa, Battle, Slazinski, and Kobe Johnson. And then they play Farrakhan and Sumnik off the bench. 
Jesse Edwards has been their best player, and he has shown the ability to hit value in any type of game, whether it's a blowout loss, whether it's a close win, close loss. He's shown the ability to get there, you know, anyway. Um, he, you know, hasn't played a whole lot of minutes in his recent games because the games have not been close. So if they're able to keep this one, like, reasonably close and have him get a lot of run, that could be a recipe for Jesse Edwards putting up a ton of fantasy points here against TCU. We have seen bigs do well against this TCU front court. After him, you have a lot of very, let's just say volatile options on this West Virginia team. Um, Kirk Risa does have some legitimate upside. Um, you know, he has been the starting point guard for them ever since he got um, eligible from his suspension. And he has, you know, a 40 fantasy point performance in here. Like two games ago against BYU, 36 minutes, 8 for 14 from the field, 40 fantasy points. Also has a 30 and a 32 right before then. But he also has games like against Texas where he only put up 10.5 fantasy points. That's what you get with Kirk Risa. You know, he is a true floor general point guard where a lot of his fantasy scoring is going to be tied to assists. And so if the West Virginia offense isn't scoring, there's nobody he can get assists to. And so, you know, you're, if you're going to play Kirk Creasy, you're really going to bank on West Virginia not only keeping this game close, but scoring a lot of points. You look at Kirk Creasy's best scoring games, and it's come when the West Virginia offense has actually gotten above 60 points for once. Now, after him, you have gotten Raekwon Battle, who is quite an interesting player. He is a gunner in a pure sense of the word, whereas he gets a ton of shots. Whether they go in or not is of no concern. He hasn't shot above 33% in his last five games, but he generally gets a ton of shots. Now, it's not as much as he was getting when he first got eligible and he was scoring, you know, 30 fancy points regularly, but he's still getting a ton of shots. And so I think that makes him a very high upside option, even though he has not come close to hitting 4x value in his last four games. I still think just the amount of times he can shoot the ball and you know if he gets hot like maybe you can get a solid performance out of him but I think he's a GPP type of play at $5,800. Now Slazinski and Kobe Johnson I'm not going to talk too much about because they are the remainder of this starting lineup they just haven't been all that good like Kobe Johnson has ne or, you know a combined negative 0.75 fantasy points in his last two games like that's just not good it's not what you want he's not playing a ton of minutes either more minutes are going to Noah Farrakhan who I think is also kind of a um you know, kind of a gunner as well, um, but he's been a little more consistent than Battle has. And then Patrick Sumnick is like the Jesse Edwards foul trouble guy. He was doing really well for them while Jesse Edwards was out, but now that Jesse Edwards is back, he's just another rotational piece. Um, and so I really don't think there's a whole lot I'm going to be going to on this West Virginia side. I'll be playing a little bit of Jess. If, you know, I don't play cash games for college basketball, but if I did, I'd be playing Jesse Edwards. And then in GPPs, I think you can take stabs at Creasa in battle as well as Farrakhan, but there's just not a whole lot to get excited about. Now on the TCU side, this is tough because their team is projected to score 80 points, and I don't know how they're going to get there. Their three leaders in minutes are Emmanuel PV, Micah PV, or I'm sorry, Emmanuel Miller, Micah PV, and Travion Tennyson. But like their fantasy scoring is anything but consistent. Like they have a lot of upside, but this is a team that has very spread out minutes, very spread out usage, which tends to bode itself to very spread out fantasy point totals, right? And so the one thing I will say about this West Virginia team is that they are one of the worst defensive backcourts. In in the nation. I said this before their game on Saturday against Texas, and both Max Asmus and Tyrese Hunter went off. So I think there's a big possibility that Tennyson and PV or both ends up going off in this game. Um, and I think that Tennyson in particular is a really solid value play on FanDuel. However, the concern is like, 
you know, Miller, Peavy, and Tennyson play a ton of minutes, but like, what if the game gets lopsided? Well, Jameer Nelson Jr. is their best guard that comes off the bench, and when he comes in, he has a very high usage rate. He has the highest usage rate on the team, and so he would be a guy that I would consider in terms of like a blowout target where, you know, what if he does get extended run, and what if he does have, you know, a ceiling performance, which he does have the capability to do. He had 41 fantasy points against Baylor two weeks ago, so um, I really do think that um, targeting one of these TCU guards is going to be my strategy. Avery Anderson will be in there as well. Um, generally doesn't play as many minutes as PV or Tennyson. Generally doesn't have as much usage as Shamir Nelson, but he is a guy that you can go to because like I said, this West Virginia team is going to bleed fantasy points to the guard position. Jacoby Coles and Ernest Uday are kind of in a similar situation to um, PV and Tennyson and then Shamir Nelson. Like, um, Ernest Uday starts, but like doesn't play a super big minute total. Um, doesn't really have a whole lot of ceiling fantasy performances either. Jacoby Coles comes off the bench and has more usage and I think has a much higher ceiling. So between the two of them, I would prefer to play Coles. That's just my opinion. But like, like I said, like this is a super frustrating team to target, which makes it like a crappy thing because like they're clearly the best team to target on this slate going up against West Virginia and having the highest projected total on the slate. It's just not a great situation, but I I think if you play GPPs, you have to take shots at this TCU side because one of them, even if we don't know who it is, one of them is going to go off. And so if you take enough shots, eventually you'll find the right combination of guys who is going to go off for TCU. Now, the last game of the night is between Kansas and Texas Tech. And if you thought that Wake Forest and Duke played very few bitch minutes, boy, do I have a team for you. Um, so this game is projected to be 75 to 74 in favor of Kansas. Kansas, not the same team away from Fog Allen Fieldhouse that they are in, you know, the friendly confines. So um, I think this is going to be a very interesting game, especially considering this game has the one piece of injury news that we're going to be needing to monitor as we go through this Monday slate. And that piece of injury news is Kevin McCullough, who has been a legitimately superstar caliber player for Kansas this season. He puts up a ton of peripheral stats and he's finally expanded his scoring a little bit. And he, he plays with a huge usage rate. He plays a ton of minutes. He's a great defensive player as well. Cannot say enough good things about Kevin McCuller. I think he's a great play if he's active at that price of only $8,400. But if he's not active, then you're looking at a situation where you can really look at their last game against Baylor as well as the previous game against Oklahoma State to target some of these Kansas guys because Kevin make, Kevin McCuller vacates quite a lot if he's not playing. He vacates 27% usage, 38 fantasy points, 38 minutes per game. And so um, that's a lot, right? Basically, when he was out against Baylor, they shortened their rotation to only six guys. Um, Dewan Harris, um, Johnny Furphy, and KJ Adams all played 36 minutes in that game against Baylor. Um, Nick Timberlake played 31. And so El Marco Jackson played the 21 minutes that those four guys um, did not play. And then um, Hunter Dickinson played 32 minutes with Parker Brown playing the other eight. So super condensed rotation for Kansas. And if that continues, they're going to be a very easy team to pick and choose guys from. Now, who would I pick from this team? Well, Hunter Dickinson had a 37% usage rate in that game against Baylor, but only put up 30 fantasy points. And the reason why is because Kansas played at a much slower pace, much slower tempo without um, Kevin McCullough in the lineup. Large reason, if you're only going to play six guys, you don't want to gas them out. And so there was generally less scoring in that game against Baylor, which made it a worse game environment. And so that's how you get a guy like Dickinson, who is generally pretty efficient and playing at a 37% usage rate to only turn into 30 fantasy points. 
I think this is a better matchup. And I think that, you know, that usage, if it continues, is going to result in a better fantasy performance from Dickinson. Now, the other guy that I really like, um, if McCuller is out, is Dewan Harris. So we've complained about Dewan Harris for like the last two years that he's the point guard that plays a ton of minutes and like never shoots and it like caps his ceiling. Well, guess what? If Kevin McCulver is out, he's going to shoot. Took nine shots against Oklahoma State, put up 28 fancy points. Took 12 shots against Baylor, put up 27 fancy points. Earlier in the week, put up 10 shots against Kansas State in an overtime game where Kansas had multiple guys dealing with foul trouble, put up 34 fancy points in that one. So when he shoots the ball, he puts up a lot of fancy points. And so if Kevin McCuller is out, I love Dewan Harris on this slate, but if McCuller's in, I will not be touching him at all. That'll be a late swap that I'm definitely going to be monitoring because I don't want him in my lineups at all if if McCuller is in. Johnny Furphy, I thought, did not play his best against Baylor. He was 0 for 6 from 3. Still put up 30 fantasy points because of 6 steals. This is a guy that has a chance to really put up fantasy points in bunches in a variety of ways. And, you know, because he puts up a lot of peripheral stats, because he is generally a good shooter, you know, better than he's shown in the last two games, he's a guy that really has an easy pathway to hitting value. And I really do like Johnny Furphy on this slate. And then KJ Adams, is another guy that's interesting. Um, he put up 26 and 32 fantasy points in the two games that McCuller missed. Um, I would have thought it would have been because of like more rebounds going his way, but no, it's actually really the assists and, and the blocks and the steals and the points. So um, kind of interesting there for KJ Adams Jr. I have a little bit of concern like I do with Mark Mitchell though, where he's very dependent on being efficient from the field. And if he doesn't have a good shooting night, what happens to his fantasy totals? I don't know. Um, but I definitely think if McCuller is out, you need to make room for Dewan and then probably try to get access to Dickinson, Furphy, or Adams. I think Nick Timberlake is one of the premier value plays on the slate if Kevin McCullough is out. He put up 14 fantasy points in 30 minutes, which doesn't sound like a lot, but he's only $4,000 on DraftKings. And in that game against Oklahoma State where McCullough missed, he only needed 24 minutes to put up 21 fantasy points. So this is a guy that I genuinely will be playing a ton if we get news that Kevin McCullough is out, but will likely not be touching him at all if McCullough is in. Now on the Texas Tech side, they're a little easier to figure out. Pop Isaacs is their guy. Um, he has had a 29% usage rate on the season and been at or above 26% usage rate in the last seven games. The fantasy scoring has not always been there because he can have cold shooting nights, but when he does have a good night, man, does he have a ceiling. 51 fantasy points against BYU, 48 fantasy points against TCU. Trust the usage, trust the ceiling, and I'm going to be playing a lot of Pop Isaacs, especially if Kevin McCullough is out because that's like a really good defensive player that Kansas is not going to have who would probably be guarding Pop Isaacs. Warren Washington is like a perfect cash game big. He does not have a very big ceiling. You know, in his last five games, um, his ceiling has been only 35. For a guy at $7,100, you really want a ceiling of more than 5X. Um, and I seriously have concerns of playing him against Hunter Dickinson. Um, how many times have we seen Hunter Dickinson in his time at Michigan and Kansas draw two quick fouls on a big man and get him out of the game for the rest of the half? Like, I just see that happening to Washington, and he's not one one of my favorite plays on this Texas Tech side. If he does get in foul trouble, you'll likely see big minutes from Robert Jennings, who got the start in a game that um, Warren Washington missed. I believe it was the Baylor game, even though the game before that against Cincinnati when Washington was in foul trouble, he did put up 22 fantasy points. So um, it could be a little bit of a GPP pivot type of play for Robert Jennings. Darion Williams is an elite rebounder from the guard position, like I kind of think he's dependent on rebounding though. And so if Kansas is going to actively try to slow the game down because, you know, they're down to six rotational players, that doesn't bode well for a guy who needs rebounds to be a good fantasy scorer. A guy I do like though is Joe Toussaint. 
I think it's quite simple. If you're going to fade Pop Isaacs, go ahead and play Joe Toussaint. Joe Toussaint's best two games in his last five were 30 fantasy points against Baylor and 30 fantasy points against Oklahoma. Guess what? Those were two games that Pop Isaacs did not play well at all. So I think that there's very easy logic to be had where if you're making multiple lineups, play Isaacs in one, play Toussaint in the other, or if you're playing single entry, just pick one of them. Don't pair them together because it's very likely that one of the two of them is going to go off. And if you get that right, that could be a key to unlocking this slate. Chance McMillan and Kerwin Walton are kind of just these shooting wings that play for them that like they're really shot dependent. They don't really have a big usage rate either. Um, McMillan has been considerably better than Walton over the last five games, but I think they're both kind of the same type of player where you need them to get hot from three. They're not going to create offense on their own and they're not going to put up a ton of peripheral stats in this game environment. All right, so that does it for the Monday, February 12th, slate of college basketball DFS. Hopefully, I was able to give you guys all the information that you need to build some winning lineups. If you like what you saw here on the YouTube video, please hit the like button, as well as if you're listening on audio, please rate and review. Yo, I promise that that is not a hollow request. I promise that it's not like just lip service. Like Those likes and those rate and reviews genuinely do help. It helps the videos get noticed, helps the podcast shoot up the charts, and I really do appreciate it when you guys go that do that. It does not fall on deaf ears to me. Um, now, if you do want to get more information from me, follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Join the Fantasy Corner Discord. I've already mentioned um, in the intro, there is likely not going to be a Tuesday episode um, as I will be doing a golf episode tomorrow night. So if you want my thoughts on the Tuesday episode, you want to talk to me, you want to get lineup suggestions, as well as some other really smart guys who have been having a lot of success in the college basketball DFS streets, join the Fantasy Corner Discord. I will stand by. That is the best college basketball Discord you can join. That is 100% free. Um, also, I do write a full article every single slate where I profile my core plays as well as kind of my lineup strategy and attack strategy for the slate. I post them on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. If you do want access to those, you can, um, you know, sign up for the Patreon. Um, it is $3 a month. I think it's very reasonable because there's not a lot of people giving um, you know, strategy and advice for college basketball, DFS like that. You can always message me on there and get my thoughts as well. And, you know, the money from that Patreon helps finance a lot of the data sites that I use to pay, you know, to, to get the information for these videos. Um, and so the Patreon does help me out a ton when people subscribe to that. All right, so that does it for this Monday night slate, y'all. Another big Monday slate in the books. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think we've got um, two genuinely, genuinely compelling games and then one game that is um, probably going to cause me a lot of frustration in TCU versus West Virginia. Um, but I look to be back for the Wednesday night college basketball slate. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well as subscribe to the audio feed. That way you can be notified when new episodes drop and you'll be aware when all of our weekly golf and college basketball content drops. We're a two-sport podcast now that football is officially over. Um, so if you want to, Make sure you get notified when our content drops. Subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the audio. And I look to be back for the next college basketball slate. All right, so that does it for this episode, guys. Um, thank you guys for watching and listening to this point. Best of luck on this big Monday slate, and I will see you guys next time.